0: Welcome to the Italian Renaissance Podcast, where we discuss the culture and art of 15th and 16th century Italy. I'm your host, Lawrence Cianangeli. Andiamo avanti. Renaissance people, we are back to our closing discussion on the Ottoman Empire as it pertains to the Republic of Venice. For now, in any case, not knowing what the future may bring, this episode is going to tie in a lot of loose strands going all the way back to episode 1 and the different ways that we define what the Renaissance is, only this time it considers Venice more closely, but is roughly a history of one Ottoman sultan and his relationship with Italy. We got the lay of the land with Julia in the last episode, and my lovely Patreon subscribers listened to my argument about Vlad Dracula, the Ottoman Empire, and the Florentine courts. Of course, if you want to hear all about that, check out the Patreon linked in the show notes. What I am presenting to you all today is a reconstructed oral version of a larger research project that I did late last year that was not exclusively Italian in nature, but rather demonstrated the introduction and phasing out of Italian design in the Ottoman courts during the time of the Bellini and all the way through Suleiman the Magnificent. That project focused on Ottoman court painting in light of Italian artists in Istanbul. That said, I'm not an Islamicist. In fact, I'm less inclined to accept that this type of analysis is truly an East versus West issue and is instead a Mediterranean issue, in essence, even if we will see extensions into Persia. The single most important figure in this story is Sultan Mehmed II, also known as Mehmed the Conqueror or Mehmed Fatih. He was born in the city of Edirne, the city that was the capital of the Ottoman Empire at the time of his birth in 1432. Mehmed had Two reigns as Sultan. The first between 1444 and 1446, a two year stint under his father, Sultan Murad II. And then again, he took over the Sultanate in 1451 permanently after Murad's death. Mehmed rules the Ottoman Empire starting at the age of 12 during that first reign, but then again, he's 19 when he starts in 1451 until he dies in 1481. Folks, that is a 30-year reign. Among our most discussed moments here, in 1453, Sultan Mehmed II ended the Byzantine Empire, taking control of Constantinople and establishing it as the new capital of the Ottoman throne, Istanbul. We all know that song, right? Even if you don't, you're You're lucky. Recall the earlier history around this, guys. Byzantine Emperor John VIII Paleologus arrives in Florence in the 1430s, fearing the Ottoman expansion that we know is going to come, and hoping to unite the Eastern and Western churches, the Greeks and the Latins, so to speak, against the rising tide of the Ottomans he and his entourage of scholars and courtiers are hosted by the Medici in Florence, supercharging the intellectual developments on the, of the Renaissance. This happens twofold, when after the fall of Constantinople in 1453, and leading up to it, many of those Byzantine scholars are flocking back to Italy, where they were hosted and found... Um, allegiance, bringing with them books and knowledge of the ancient world that was lost to the Italians. And all of that is, is in brief. But in Venice, we have often discussed the two states, the Stato Mar, their mercantile empire at sea, and the Stato terre their expansion inwards to northern Italy. Ottoman domination of the Mediterranean, particularly under Doge Foscari. Francesco Foscari led to the aggressive inland conquest by the Venetians. Right? So under under Doge Foscari, with the Ottomans taking over so much of Venetian sea territory, they had to look elsewhere and that is when the Venetian Republic started to conquer more lands going towards Milan. Be it painting, sculpture, architecture, what have you, inland absorption of space helped with the integration of the Renaissance style from central Italy to emerge in the Venetian lagoon, and we've seen that in Venetian palaces, we've seen that in painting, we've seen that in sculpture. But looking at Istanbul, Mehmed II, his sultanate was one of a complicated diplomacy, a mercantile cosmopolitanism that had to reconcile with his own continued desire for conquest. What I mean is, he's interested in a plural court of people from Europe and people from Persia and people from all over the world, but he's also conquering these lands. When in In 1479, he came to a truce with the Republic of Venice. One of his chief rivals, Mehmed II, invited Venetian artists to his court. While Italy was undergoing major changes in artistic style and a heightened desire for naturalistic representation, the atelier in Istanbul was working to reconcile Islamic tradition with this Italo-Byzantine influence, Christian influence which did not disappear just because the Ottomans took over Constantinople. It was still very much there. In painting, this remarkable interaction had immediate impact on the arts of this pluralistic court of Mehmed II. However, it was resisted in subsequent sultanates, yielding to the power and influence of a strict determination for an imperial Ottoman style one that rejected Italian pictorial modes, allowed Persian influence, and focused on unique Ottoman elements. So, the surface-level history of Italian design in the Ottoman Empire begins and ends with Sultan Mehmed II. Let's dig deeper. It is abundantly clear that Mehmed II sought to be well-educated in matters of Western culture, European culture, springing from his taste for European imagery beginning as early as his childhood. In a fascinating work on this, called A Sultan of Paradox, Mehmed the Conqueror as a Patron of the Arts, author Julian Raby tells us that, quote, he has left a scrapbook of pen and ink drawings, which include profile and three quarter-face portrait busts. In spirit, they evince a European influence which is also evident in the use of cross-hatching in their format, approaches to drawing and form which were unknown in the Islamic world. What is clear is that the young Mehmed looked to emulate European design in his own sketchbook, a prelude to his own desire to be depicted in the Italian manner, which we're going to talk about, in order to immortalize his own imperial image. His childhood curiosity bloomed into a determined education structured to globalize his world knowledge. Raby from that same text also tells us that, quote, Mehmed's private cultural activity was directed towards the figural arts and learning of Europe, Byzantium and the Latin West, as well as towards the traditional arts and literature of Islam, It is likely that Mehmed II looked to know his enemy, to study them for conquest, imagining himself as a ruler not just of his current realm, but of Europe as well. And that's true, in part, though it begs to be reconciled with a childhood fascination with Western culture, His intrigue should be understood both as militaristic and strategic, as well as more to satisfy intellectual, cultural curiosity. So, the desire to conquer these lands that he was fascinated by, not seeing them as infidels or what have you, this conflict of Islam and Christianity, he's interested, he's curious Indeed, Julian Raby concludes his essay on the sultan proposing that, quote, Mehmed II, quote, he did not believe in any one culture, end quote. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Renaissance people, if you are enjoying the Italian Renaissance podcast, I have good news. We're now active on Patreon. You can show your love for the show by becoming a patron and get access to additional resources, information, and artworks. Better yet, those who join the Renaissance Master or Renaissance Patron tier will get access to at least one additional podcast episode each month. My goal is to ensure that the main podcast remains a free, accessible source for everyone. Become a patron today through the link in the show notes to support the continued production of new episodes and help build and maintain this community. The Italian Renaissance Shop is now also active on Etsy, linked in the show notes. Sport our logo or choose from a growing selection of Italian art-inspired designs. Discounts are offered to select Patreon tiers as well. Your support has my immortal gratitude. Now, enjoy the show. When Mehmed moved the capital to Istanbul in 1453, he faced new challenges in accommodating the plurality imposed on the Ottoman court by their growth and expansion. What Mehmed, I say imposed on the, his desire to conquer, of course, but when you conquer multiple cultures, you have to sometimes accommodate those cultures, and that can cause conflict within the dominating culture, what have you. So what Mehmed's court became was an Islamic sultanate ruled by a man with a lifelong fascination with European art and history, now positioned in an essential, former but active, center of Christianity in one of the most prominent locations of naval mercantilism in the entirety of the Mediterranean. Constantinople, Istanbul. Mehmed's invitation of Italian artists to Istanbul is just a natural consequence of this relationship, especially given that Italian diplomats were already well established in Istanbul. Diplomats who were not a single allied Christian force, but rather a mass of individual courtiers from different republics in Italy looking to strengthen mercantile ties with the Ottomans so that they could have supremacy over one another. They were competing for Ottoman allegiance so they could outdo each other. It's not really Italy versus the Ottomans, right? So the Sultan ultimately invites several artists from several states from the Italian peninsula to Istanbul. The first significant work came from Costanzo da Ferrara representing the kingdom of Naples, so a Ferrarese in Naples, a court painter or court medalist in Naples. He was a pupil of Pisanello. Pisanello, the artist who did the medal for John VIII, Paleologus, Byzantine emperor who visited Florence and through Ferrara. Pisanello did that in Ferrara. Costanzo was the artist responsible for the Sultan's portrait medal. So Costanzo did Mehmed II's portrait medal, which today is among the most significant portrait medals of the Renaissance. However, with the development of Ottoman painting in mind, the most significant artist brought in from Italy was none other than Gentile Bellini, who was also accompanied by Bartolomeo Bellano from the Republic of Venice. Mehmed II had attempted to bring Italian artists to his court over the span of some twenty years. Venice and Bellini were not involved until the end of this 20-year span due to the ongoing war with the Ottomans and the Venetians that spanned much of Mehmed's reign from the years 1463 to 1479. Recalling that Mehmed dies in 1481, the works produced by these Venetian artists, particularly Bellini, come at the last two years of Mehmed Fatih's life. So Mehmed II wanted to take advantage of the new circumstances with Venice, having a fascination with Italian portraiture, and wanting his likeness immortalized in that style. Very few of Bellini's works during this time in Istanbul survive. The records tell us that he was commissioned for several portraits of the Sultan and other Ottoman officials. He was even asked to depict some erotica, which has a rich history in visual art, including Islamic art, as well as a virgin and child, an unexpected but interesting request by the sultan. As it appears, Mehmed II was not interested in Bellini's capacity for architecture, cityscape design, but he was really trying to get portraiture done. Among the very notable works that survive, Bellini's Seated Scribe, now in the Isabel Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston, a place I highly recommend visiting, by the way, is an essential work by Bellini's hand that employs an Islamic technique in the application of ink, color, and gilding. It's a magnificent display of Ottoman textile design and Venetian modeling in the figure. Really, guys. So so what Bellini is doing is... In the courts, in the workshops in Istanbul, he's actually learning new techniques, or he's trying new techniques, or he's applying new techniques to speak to his environment. But the painting was sent to Breeze in the years following Bellini's departure, where it was copied by Safavid court painters in a more Persian style. Though, in Mehmed's court, the Ottoman watercolor titled Mehmed II Smelling a Rose from around the same year, 1480, replicates the seated posture, which is a traditional eastern position for rulers, but he places him in the three-quarter pose, which is following Bellini's own portrait of the sultan. So the three-quarter pose comes in from, from the west, but the seated ruler is an eastern trope. The conventions of the work position it as definitively not of Ottoman design, showing a brief and momentary influence that Bellini may have had on artists in the court. Brief and momentary, keep that in mind. The seated scribe is sent to the Safavid court in the 1500s, where it is placed in an album and annotated in Persian. So there's a Persian inscription on it. I got the translation of that annotation from the Isabel Stewart Gardner Museum website, which reads the work of Ibn E Muatzin, who is among the well-known masters of Europe. Now, folks, there is actually an entire and very fascinating linguistic reason that the name Bellini is written phonetically and pronounced. Muatzin in Persian, something to do with the M, something to do with the Z's, but I do declare that he is named in this annotation, Bellini um, Muatzin. I'm sure there's some scholarship on that that can clarify for, for those who want to dive deeper. So let's look at this work. Well, the other Ottoman page that I said he was in three quarters pose, Bellini Seated Scribe is in profile. And like I said, he's using an Islamic ink application paint technique. This is just a page, okay? So when you go to visit the Gardner Museum and you're looking for it, it's not some grand painting hanging on the wall. It's in a little piece of glass. It's really easy to miss. But he goes in with this rich, decorative textile design. The figure is turbaned, and he's drawing. There's a use of perspective, recession of space, modeling to give roundness and depth. This is not a standard Ottoman painting by any means, but it is all the iconography and technique of Ottoman painting. It is truly a stunning example of what happens when Eastern and Western Mediterranean pictorial conventions come together in one image. Another work, Bellini's Portrait of Mehmed II, of course also from the year 1480, now in the National Gallery in London, indeed appears to demonstrate what the sultan had hoped to achieve by bringing a Venetian painter to his court. This is the only surviving image of the sultan completed by Bellini during his stay in Istanbul. Mehmed II is shown in that three-quarter pose the portrait as a whole, in the fashion of a Venetian doge. Except he doesn't have the Venetian, uh, the the doge horn hat. He's wearing a a Turkish turban. His aquiline nose and watchful eyes tell the story of a witty man, one who is pensive and adept at his role. Yet, the fashion of the turban makes his easternness unmistakable. A most intriguing detail is that Bellini includes a painted inscription of the sultan calling him the Victor Orbis, the conqueror of the world. Was this a request from the sultan himself for his portrait? Was Bellini playing the courtier and trying to flatter his patron? Or was Bellini perceiving the power and reach of the sultan through the cultural plurality of his court, his knowledge for both both the East and the West, and his rapid conquest. I don't know. You decide. Despite the evidently concentrated efforts Mehmed II put into achieving his role as Victor Orbis, as conqueror of the world, through honing new elements of artistic conventions, two major factors— directly opposed his effort. One, existing standards of courtly painting in what is called the Nakashana, that is the imperial art atelier of design, of painting, of drawing, of textiles, that's all through what's called the Nakashana, and second, the subsequent rulers who directly contrasted his vision. Surprisingly, Upon Mehmed's death in 1481, his successor and son, Sultan Bayezid II, actively worked to remove the influence of Italian art and design, the first in a long line of sultans and courtiers in Istanbul who were determined to promote Ottoman pictorial and design convention and discourage Western influence on their own artistic production. Mehmed the Conqueror was in fact an outlier in his vision for the Ottoman Empire, as high-ranking court officials actively sought to promote a singular Ottoman imperial identity and culture. Mehmed's vision for plurality in the court was practically swept under a gorgeous Anatolian rug when his son took the throne upon his death, Bayezid II was also quite a dedicated supporter of the arts, but his taste was not for Venetian painting. Scholars maintain that Bayezid II did in fact either sell or gift his father's Italian works, possibly as a means by which Bellini's portrait of Mehmed II returned to Venice in the 16th century, just as his seated scribe left Istanbul and landed in the design workshops in Persia. Also of note is that simultaneous with Italian artists in Mehmet's court were painters from Tabriz, who brought with them all of the design, motif, and skill of Persian art, which ultimately is more appealing to the Ottoman court, Ottoman painters, and subsequent sultans, all the way to Suleiman the Magnificent, who establishes a courtly painting style that is rich with symbolism that positions itself as superior to the European world. Indeed, Suleiman's Grand Vizier, Rustam Pasha, had an active hand in deliberately opposing Italian design as far as textiles are concerned through the Nakashana, looking to manicure a deliberate anti-Italian Ottoman imperial style. When surveying the impact of Italian cultural influence on Ottoman painting, What becomes abundantly clear is that from Mehmed II's employment of Italian artists to painting that happens under Suleiman the Magnificent, the cosmopolitan Ottoman court made deliberate choices as to which varieties of artistic style they would allow to infiltrate their blossoming court design. Mehmet's fascination with the West was not shared by his son, by his grandson, or his great-grandson, or their courts, or even his own court, all of whom made deliberate moves of supremacy over the Italian and European artistic mode. It was the desire of the flourishing Ottoman Empire to achieve maritime and mercantile control. They did this through conquest, but also Through painting with a style that has roots in Persia, but not wholly, blatantly ignoring the Italian design references provided by Costanzo, by Bellano, and by Gentile Bellini, and further the import of Italian textiles, often out of Florence. As a result, painting in the 16th century Ottoman Empire arrived at a mature style that thrived under the reins of a Mediterranean superpower that intended to fly its banner even across all of Europe. These are complicated relationships, folks. As far as Gentile Bellini is concerned, we have talked quite a lot in previous episodes about how the Bellini workshop employs Islamic design, figures, and architecture. That speaks to Venice itself, but also Gentile's experience as a visiting member of the Ottoman courts. When you dive deeper, you will often come across large claims that the Italian Renaissance had no impact on Ottoman painting, which I have just demonstrated, I believe, to be untrue. Not only was it central to the reign of Mehmed II, the vehement reaction against it in subsequent reigns is in itself a type of impact or influence. I also want to clarify that this is not a position of Western superiority, but instead a demonstration of a larger idea around Mediterranean art in the Renaissance period as opposition to strictly separating Islam from the West. For further reading on this, I highly, highly recommend Bellini and the East, a text by Caroline Campbell and Alan Chong, which is out of the National Gallery in London. We talked about a lot of art today. I will be updating the Instagram and Facebook, uh, so be sure, please, to like and follow us there. For Patreon patrons, I will be posting and uploading additional reading materials and articles on this, so stay tuned for that. I want to thank you all for listening and supporting this project as we continue to grow and expand the scope and abilities of this show. Until next time, my dear, dear listeners, arrivederci.